Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. We welcome you in. It is the Lombardi line here from VC and the Sports Betting Network presented, as always, by BetMGM. I'm Ben Wilson from our South Point Sportsbook studio. Patrick Maher, another week or two for Patrick, young Patrick on vacation uh, in, in California right now. Michael Lombardi with us, though, as always, from the East Coast. Michael, it's the greatest three days of the sports calendar, right? <laughs> there is nothing to talk what? about except football. It's Look, it's a great excuse for us. We've been waiting to do the deep dives basically all summer, and now we can because there's no baseball or tennis or golf to handicap. We can get right into it, so I'm excited for the show today with you, sir. Yeah, I, I am too. I mean, look, we got to get ready for the season. I mean, the Raiders, uh, rookies, and some of their players reported today. So did Buffalo. So, you know, we know the season is going to get going here, and it's, it's a good time, and other than Jimmy Garoppolo, I think everything's kind of s- status quo. You know, where's Odell Beckham going to sign? I think mm-hmm. that's it. Did you see the rumor last week that he was signing in Buffalo? That was a bad Twitter rumor going around. But I, I think ultimately, you know, now's the time to do your prep work uh, without all this baseball. And, of course, you got a home run derby tonight. But, like, like seriously, I'm not sure about any of that. It's it's very difficult. I mean, I'll like I'll be on primetime action tonight, so we're kind of incentivized to have sweats on the air. So I mean, I'll, I'm sure there is a part of me I'm going to have a bet or two. It's just like, yeah, you're just kind of you know for fun. It's totally different than what we're talking about up here with the NFL. And yes, as you mentioned, some of the headlines today, which we'll get into, NFC West, our big focus on the show today. Uh, but the headlines, I mean, they are very small in stature, but they are at least interesting. We'll get into some of those as we work work our way through the show today. We will, as always, on a Monday, check in with Thomas. Gable from the Borgata. We'll do that here in about a half hour. We'll also be joined by Will Hill. I know Will's got some uh, win totals, Michael. I'm curious to see what Will's Will's got. Our point spread weekly contributor. He's and then, working uh, in the lab. You know, actually, this is probably the only time Will gets off between you know running the Lakers franchise, coaching all these teams, <laughs> managing thirty how many baseball teams there are. I mean, this is probably the only time Will gets a little bit of a break. I know, right? What a what a gentleman for actually being like, yeah, I'll come on. I'll come on. I'll find time for you guys. Come on the show. Today. Yeah, pl- and yeah. not even he doesn't have to worry about. 
about monitoring the television. You know, usually he's handling production on TV too. So it's it's an exhausting world to we'll, live with. We'll Will see Hill. if Will uh, cut down if he trimmed the beard over the weekend. He was looking very Scottish as last time I talked to him, Michael. So we'll we'll get the update on that in about uh, 45 minutes. Josh Applebaum, host of the Market Insights podcast, joins us in about an hour and a half. I have no idea what Josh is going to talk about today because there's no reverse sharp line freezes to yeah, to no. discuss. There's no games, but I I'll be curious. I don't know what Josh. I'm sure he'll be uh, he'll be talking some AFC East in a little bit with us as well. The Open Championship, we'll just start there As for those, of, uh, for those of you joining us here Monday, early afternoon on the East Coast, Monday morning on the West Coast, and it is Cameron Smith who gets the job done. I'm sure you were up and Adam, Michael, watching. Uh, I know you were on the air yesterday and Saturday tracking everything going on with, uh, with the tournament. What a Open Championship it was. Congrats to those of you who had Cam Smith. Anywhere from the 21 to 1 to 26 to 1 or so range. Gets the job done 20 under over Rory McIlroy. I don't know if there's like an NFL playoff comp to what McIlroy did. It wasn't like a choke. He didn't, you know, didn't make any big mistakes, just played a little too conservative. And at the end, end of the day, just never made enough putts to get the job done. Ends up losing by two strokes, ends up finishing third, one behind Cameron Young and two behind our champion here, Cameron Smith. You know, Ben, on, on Thursday, uh, Friday, we thought 20 under was going to win the tournament. And I was a little hesitant uh, about that number once the winds kicked up Saturday afternoon and it looked a little more challenging than it did. And, and obviously it came through at 20. You know, if you're Rory McIlroy, I, I think what you're saying is I had 32 putts, you know, in the round and I hit every green. I, I played it perfectly. But what we talked about on Sunday morning with Dave Ross was whosoever putter was going to light it up was going to win the thing. And Cam Smith's putter, putter lit it up. He went, what, six straight holes with birdies? I mean, and so it's hard to beat a guy when he shoots as well as he did. He had the one bad round on Saturday, shot 73, but he dominated the course and he deserved to win. Rory just, you know, I don't think he played it safe. I don't think he went into a prevent defense. I think his putter just didn't make, just didn't have the day has needed for his putter to be successful. Gave himself a lot of chances, had a lot of good looks at birdie, but becomes the first player in golf history to hold a 54-hole lead at a major, hit every single green in regulation on Sunday, and still lose the tournament. Of course, the qualifier to that is, as we've discussed throughout last week, Michael, is at the old course at St. Andrews, largest greens, just about any course you'll play in the world. So it's not exactly fair to but necessarily say that. But he didn't three-putt any. But he, no, you're right. He, he didn't three-putt. He didn't three-putt any. You know, he had 32 putts. And I think where he's going to look back on this is say some of these par fours that are drivable, he didn't make birdie on. You know, and, and I think that's ultimately what you have to do. And Cam Smith and Cam Young, those guys played better. I mean, I don't know what Victor Hovland's going to be able to do to recover from this. I mean, when, when the pressure was on him to make putts, his liability as a putter showed up. I think there's no doubt, you know. And Dustin Johnson and Jordan Spieth. What I loved, Ben, yesterday was watching Jordan Spieth leave the course. You know, here's a guy who was just unbelievable. He gets to 12 under. And he's so mad at himself because he just had the one bad day that he, that he couldn't overcome, whereas Cam Smith had the one day and over one bad day and was able to overcome it. And what he did on Sunday is just remarkable. He deserves to have his name on that claret jug. No question. And for two, for Cameron Smith, not necessarily that it was one bad day. It was really just one bad hole. I mean, one horrific decision. You go back to Saturday 
or his balls in a bunk. Basically, balls right on the edge of a pot bunker. Decides to stand in it. Like the announcers, everybody on Twitter, everybody watching. It's like, don't don't try to hit the shot. Don't try to hit the shot. Yeah. His for some reason, his caddy didn't stand in front of him and tell him, yeah, don't don't try the shot. He tries it, makes double. And I mean, how many times? And you know, for for us, even as casual golf fans, Michael, how many golf tournaments have we watched over the years where a guy does something like that? And you can immediately say, all right, he, he lost the tournament right there. It's one of those things you just cannot do. So that, to me, was what was the most impressive. His putter totally failed him on Saturday, makes a terrible decision, makes double. I certainly thought that would have taken him out of contention the way he was four back heading into Sunday in Cam Smith. That's the thing that stands out more to me because, like, 99 times out of 100, you see a guy make a blunder like that, it's game over. You just can't recover from something like that. And of course, where so many people are making birdies. So to me, that's my, like my big takeaways on a guy like Cam Smith. He, he showed us a lot about his mentality. He's not just a hot putter. Like he showed so much more than that over the final, really over the final round in about four holes after that catastrophic double uh, deep into his round on Saturday. Yeah. And, and I mean, look, you know, in Sunday he comes in and I think he bogeyed the first hole or second hole. And then all of a sudden he just got hot. And give him credit. I mean, look, he was sensational with his putter. I mean, the one thing is, I think, when you take chances and you take risk, is if you know you're great, you're great at something, the putter, you feel like the putter can bail you out. And maybe it didn't as much as he thought on Saturday, but Sunday his putter was the reason he's hosting the trophy. I mean, mm -hmm. look, with the weather the way as, as benign as the weather was, the putt, it became down to a putting tournament, and Rory's 32 putts wasn't going to cut it. Right. I'll, I'll admit, like on Saturday, Michael, especially we saw Rory, he holes out from the bunker on 10 to make eagle. It's just the stats. He he led the field in strokes gained tee to green through the first three rounds. His putting hadn't been amazing at all the first three rounds, but you kind of felt like this, like this is so – this is so set up for Rory in every way imaginable. I took a piece on him, even as I think he was minus 110 into Saturday, uh, into Saturday night there. And I'm thinking, okay, if I, if somebody goes super low and beats me, you just kind of tip your hat. I don't regret making that bet at all. Fortunately for me, also shout out Tommy Fleetwood, by the way, ties for fourth is top 10. I, that was, that was like my saving grace, Michael. He that just ran me. out of holes. Yeah, he was. Tommy good. Fleetwood just ran out of holes. I, I mean, he was playing so well. He just ran out of holes. I, I mean, that's what happens. And, you know, I think Rory was counting on, guys running out of holes, but Cam Smith, when you birdie six holes in a row, you can cover a lot of ground. I, certainly the, I mean, when you saw the Cam, Cam Smith go back to back to back and tie Rory, it, it just kind of had that feel of it. You know, you, you try not to play body language doctor too much, but when you are watching golf, it becomes a little different story, right? With how individual sport it is kind of seemed like Rory, just not that he stuttered or hesitated or anything. It just, he kind of realized, Oh wow. Like this thing is real. And as soon as he failed to make birdie, the following hole on the on the 600 yard par five there down the back stretch I believe on on 14 the hole that Cam Smith had doubled on Saturday it, all, as soon as he failed to make birdie there it was kind of like oh boy like we're we're in for a dogfight because as we as we saw all weekend those closing holes with the exception of 18 not at all easy and the fact that Smith handled them so you know so calmly so straightforwardly uh, that that was also uh, pretty insane so look uh, do I regret making the Rory bet on Saturday even you know laying a number to actually take him to win something I usually don't do uh, not at all I don't regret that bet Michael I, I kind of felt like on principle it was the play to make and again you tip your hat if, if you get beaten and, and Cam Smith's the guy who does it. You, you just wonder for, you know, for Rory, I was impressed at least with Rory, the way he handled himself after the round. And this is a guy who's been, has had so many close calls since he last won eight years ago at the Open Championship. Got to think that this is certainly, he's at least on the right track. I didn't view this, Michael, as a guy who had his last chance and now all of a sudden is going to go into a tailspin. I, I, I couldn't, I don't feel like that's even close to what is actually going to happen here going forward. 
No, I don't either. I mean, you know, Cam Smith, I mean, he doesn't bur- bur- a bogey a hole the whole day. He starts the second nine at with, and, and he goes from the second nine from 10, 11, 12, 13, five straight holes with birdies. I mean, you know, it, that, that's something that Rory couldn't have predicted. You know, and that's why you just got beat. I don't think Rory lost the tournament. I think he just got beat by a guy who played better on that specific day. And that's why he was able to overcome and overcome the bad Saturday. And that just happens. I mean, I think what Rory just has to do is say, look, you know, I got I to keep working on my putter. But if I play like this, I'm going to win a lot of tournaments. And he was the short shot for this tournament. He's going to continue, I would think, Michael, to be very shortly priced in a lot of these tournaments as well uh, yeah. going forward because I mean the game is there it's just a matter of can it come all together for a full uh, 72 holes Tommy Fleetwood Victor Hovland rounding out the top five yesterday and like learning experience there for Hovland first ever final group at a major uh, gets his first top five in a major as well so look wasn't his day but I certainly still high on Hovland going forward didn't have a ticket on him uh, but one of those he's a young guy he'll he'll be he'll be there in the conversation uh, for for years to come I'm at least excited Michael I can now sleep in at least the rest of the week so I I mean, for us on the West Coast, it kind of wears out. I'm not going to lie. Those midnight uh, tea times, it's it's a little tough. That's just me, though. I'm not a night owl like you. I can't. Yeah, I'm not one either. Don't worry about it. (laughs) I get up early to watch it, though. You had the built-in advantage, though. You can at least wake up a little later there on the East Coast. Uh, And what we now do is transition, talk all things NFL. We'll maybe get some SEC discussion in as well a little bit later in the show. But up next, some interesting storylines and some headlines coming out of both L.A. and San Francisco in the wide receiver rooms. We'll discuss next as we break down the NFC West here on the Lombardi Line. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. With our outstanding producer, Matt Santos, behind the glass today, I'm Ben Wilson from our South Point Sportsbook Studio in Las Vegas. Time to talk some NFC West with one Michael Lombardi. You can follow Michael, as always, M Lombardi NFL on Twitter. A couple interesting storylines, Michael, that I saw emerge with some news and notes from, across, from over the weekend here. I don't know if you saw this report in the Santa Rosa Press Democrat from Jack Hammer talking Brandon Ayuk labeled it a very uh, interesting minicamp performance from a vet like him. Remember, we saw him in the doghouse for Kyle Shanahan at the start of last year, at least had some good production down the stretch of last regular season. But the report is he's apparently not on the same page as Trey Lance in minicamp so far. The two spent time working on the offseason. Again, it's, it's July. Like, we get a lot of stories like this. How much stock do you put in a report like this of a guy in Ayuk who has been wildly inconsistent in his time in San Francisco so far? Well, I mean, look, it's going to take some time. I mean, I think when you watch Trey Lance play, I think it's going to have some – he needs to have some rhythm to his game and how he's utilized. I, I think Ayuk at times showed that, you know, he's got the ability to make some plays down the field. He averaged almost 15 yards per reception last year. And he was actually a better percentage of catching the football than Samuel. Now, Samuel's much better because he can advance the ball. Samuel's average 18.2 yards per catch because he's – so good with yards after the catch. He is so good. And, you know, his ability to gain yards from scrimmage is remarkable. I mean, you know, he gained 1,700 yards from scrimmage just because of that. So, and Ayuk's a hard guy to tackle. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like it's going to just take some time. I mean, until we see it, it's going to be interesting, Ben, how Kyle Shanahan operates his preseason because there's a, there's a, there's a, a certainly a growing sentiment that the preseason is really for the young players now. You know, you can't play your older players as much as you want to because you're afraid to get them hurt. So, you know, all the time, you've got to try to develop the young talent on your team. So does that mean Trey Lance plays more in the preseason? And what happens if he doesn't play well in the preseason? Does he have enough confidence to overcome an obstacle? I think these are all hard questions that Kyle Shanahan's going to have to address. And it's why I wanted to start with San Francisco. Normally when we're doing these divisional breakdowns, you know, we'll start from the favorite, break down that team, kind of work our way down. But San Francisco, it's such a fascinating team. I know we touched on it a little bit last week when talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, Michael, and where we potentially see him landing amidst that. That's still the one domino still to fall amidst a couple here in the NFL offseason. But a San Francisco team where you could kind of see things going a number of different ways with them. And as you talk about with an inexperienced quarterback like a Trey Lance, time is you know it's sort of timing is everything right and there's going to be a lot of expectations right away uh, when you just look position by position you, you look at where at least the offensive line is projected and you would think that's something that really does matter for a guy like Lance and and somebody who again is is trying to work his way into this system and and get more comfortable at the quarterback spot where do you see this overall O-line first off standing because I've seen some projections that have them more closer to the top 10 some that have them more like middle of the pack to to just outside that uh, that top half of O-lines here in the league what do you see with San Francisco up front in their trench position well I think when they have to pass protect and behind in the game. I don't think they're at an elite level. Okay. 
So, but they don't. I mean, last year, Ben, they were 29th in passing attempts. How many times they threw the ball, they were 29th, which means they ran the ball more than they threw it, right? So they were 7th in passing attempts. This is for a team, you know, that, excuse me, they were 29th in passing attempts, right? They were 5th in rushing attempts. But they want to run the football. They want to play action pass. And when you do that, you take away some of the liability in your offensive line. And I think that's how they have to play. When they play outside themselves and they get behind in a game, and all of a sudden it's a drop-back game, Trent Williams can do it, but everyone else to me in that line isn't, as, isn't able to do it. I mean, just look at their third-down numbers. I mean, their third-down numbers, they rank in the middle of the pack. Why? Because you can't really play action pass on third down. Everybody knows you're going to throw it. They ranked 14th. But when they get into the red zone, they're the best red zone scoring team. Why? Because they can run it. They can run it down there. That's Kyle. And I think when you can win two playoff games, and if the kid catches the ball in the Rams game, you win three playoff games on the road, you understand what it takes to win the game and how you have to do that. And I think ultimately, look, they ran for a buck 69 against Dallas. They come back against Green Bay on a cold, cold day, run for another 106. Yep. You know, and the one thing that happened in the Rams game, they couldn't really run the ball, which to me limited them, but they only lose by three. And if that kid catches the ball, if Tarrett catches that ball, they're going to win that game. Trent Williams, Mike McGlinchey, those, just to make sure we let, you know, lay that out, those are the left tackle, right tackle combo. But on the inside, that's where you look at the names. I mean, Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, Daniel Brunskill, it's not exactly household names. And that's just where you wonder. I mean, as much as Jimmy G, we, you know, we sometimes have thrown him under the bus for some of his limitations. But at the, at, you know, the reality is, right, you're bringing in a new quarterback who's much younger, has, has more, far fewer snaps taken in the NFL than a Trey Lance. What it, so certainly that will be one thing to watch for them. It's also of how, like, how do you realistically expect Debo Samuel now to work into the offense after he comes out and says, like, I don't want to be the guy taking snaps in the backfield anymore. I want to be an exclusive wide receiver. How do you think that ends up all playing out if indeed they, they go that route and they say, look, we're, we're gonna, we certainly respect you as a player and we want to make sure we, you know, we don't, don't do anything that you aren't comfortable with. I don't really know like, from your perspective how do you realistically sing that play out because I think for a lot of us we look at it and say okay like two sides seem to be kind of far apart like if they want to use them how they want to use them then he should be doing that but I also get it if he you know if he only wants to be one sort of player on offense and just be a wide receiver well he only had 59 carries I mean so it wasn't like that that they were giving the ball 10 times a game he had 59 carries and I think he had more in the second half of the season you know now he had eight touchdowns rushing so, you know, so figure he's going to get the ball in some way, reverse, fake reverse. But I do think that Kyle wants to utilize him in the middle of the field to go along with Kittle. That's where he's most dangerous, throwing him the ball and yards after the catch. This isn't a premier, one of the elite wide receivers with the ball in his hands. If he has to line up on the outside and win routes on the outside, that's not his forte. He's an inside receiver who gets the ball and then is very challenging to tackle. And I think they've got to rely on, on Sermon, who they drafted in the third round. They've got to rely on Elijah Mitchell. Jeff Wilson is a free agent, right? They draft another running back this year, Davis Price. You know, they draft another running back to come in there to help their group, the LSU kids. So, you know, they understand it, what they need to do. I think they'll utilize him just how they've done. As for the middle of this offensive line, 
you know, I thought Alex Mack was really not a very good player for him last year. I think he really hurt them. And I think whether Brendel can handle the job, I don't know. But Banks, Brendel, and Brushkill, that's going to be the key to how mm-hmm. they succeed offensively. You look at the Niners right now, 10 is the win total. The juice is on the under, though, plus 110 if you want to take their over. Uh, if you look at them, 2-1 to one here, second choices to win that division. And as much as we talk about offense and, and how we try to handicap how Trey Lance and how effective he'll actually be in 2022. The defense is, it certainly lines up Michael to be the strong suit there. When you, when you think about Fred Warner and his impact, a lot of, a lot of places are coming out and saying like, this is probably a top, maybe the top linebacker core in all of, of, of the NFL, maybe at the very least a top five unit. And we talk as well about, you've, you've made this point too, as we've gone into these offseason previews, just how much you value overall depth, especially at like an edge rusher position where it appears as though the Niners have, have a ton of depth there. And it's not just, just a guy like Nick Bosa, who we talk about a lot. A lot of other quality bodies in there, making them likely a top 10 unit at that position. Uh, how do you feel like that'll, that'll kind of manifest itself as we get into the season where on paper certainly looks like the Niners have a lot to work with at, the, at those spots on the ball? Well, I mean, the Niners, for the Niners, it's all about their front, right? It's Fred Warner, the Mike linebacker, and it's, and it's really Warner and, and, and Alir Sharif, the kid that, that comes in and plays Will for them. It's him and everybody else. And then what they need to be able to do is run to the football, and then these four defensive linemen. Kinlaw's got to have a good year. They lose D.J. Reed to Denver. I thought he played really well. If you go back and watch him against Dallas, he killed Connor, Connor Williams on, in Dallas. That was a real problem. So they have to win up front, you know, and they signed Kerry Hyder, who was with Seattle last year, got, got signed. He, you know, he had a good season with Detroit. Seattle signs him, didn't play well. They cut him. So they're taking guys on the bounce back, and I think ultimately, Terrell another kid that they have as an edge rusher who had a lot of talent coming out in the draft out of Rutgers. Indianapolis never quite got it from him. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. I think what San Francisco does, one of the best jobs in the league, is coach their defensive line. You know, they really are good there, and they're able to get a lot of players out. I mean, they're still carrying D Ford salary on the team, and they're not even counting on them. Right. You think about how good that that part of the ball is. It's just what do you think the X factor is secondary wise? That's that's certainly been the one area that's had some weakness at times here over this last couple year stretch. For well, San they Francisco. cover up for it. They they play more zone than most teams do because they know they can't get into a man to man game. They're going to have to get some production out of Denard, the kid they signed as a street free agent. They're going to have to get some production out of Mosley. You know, Verrett. I mean, they've lost a, a couple guys there in their back end. But they rely really on their ability to rush the passer. You can throw some passes on them, and and I think D'Amico Ryan's did a great job. But they're going to create negative plays with their front. It'll be fascinating to see, too, just can Jason Vreck, can he stay healthy? He's only had two seasons in his career of 500-plus snaps in the secondary. How much could that potentially bolster up San Francisco? Still a lot to discuss in the NFC West. We're going to talk maybe some Arizona Cardinals with Thomas Gable from the Borgata. Also discuss the weekend's betting action with him when we return to the Lombardi line. The VEASAN Summer Special is here for only $19. You get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of July. Sign up today and you'll get VEASAN's daily best bets. That includes Adam Burke on Major League Baseball, our NFL preseason coverage, plus premium articles on golf, UFC, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at VEASAN.com summer. Back alongside Michael Lombardi, joining us from the East Coast. As always, I'm Ben Wilson here in Las Vegas, South Point Sportsbook Studio. Let's welcome him in, Thomas Gable. 
race and sportsbook director there at the Borgata. Always great to catch up with you, Thomas, here on a Monday. So let's let's start with the golf, and then we'll get into some NFC West topics, mainly talking Arizona Cardinals and some of their betting coming into this year. But uh, to start off, big comeback there yesterday, as we discussed for Cameron Smith at the Open Championship. How did that all work out for you guys down at the Borgata? Uh, we came out of the tournament as a whole okay. Uh, we lost a little bit on Cam. It, before to, before the tournament, he was 25-1 to one to win it. And I believe going into yesterday's fourth round, when we repriced after the third round, he was actually 12-1, to one, I think, going into there. And, you know, in play, he was as high as 7-1 to one then. So uh, there's definitely people who cashed uh, with on Cam Smith. And, listen, the guy played – just a tremendous, tremendous round. Uh, McElroy, if you would have said at the beginning of the day with that four-shot lead and you'd say, okay, he hits 18 of 18 greens in regulation, uh, not many people would have thought that he would have been beaten. But uh, So hats off to Cam Smith and, and Cam Young for also keeping, uh, keeping it interesting there all the way to the end uh, with that eagle on the last. So uh, definitely it was a fun tournament to watch. We ended up winning on the matchups, so uh, that – kind of uh put us into the positive for the for the tournament as a whole so but uh definitely some people who cashed on on cam smith there at that nice uh, 25 to 1 price uh, pre-flop you know thomas he was your pre-tournament pick too i got to give you credit for that you know you do a great job handicapping golf here for us on the lombardi line and we appreciate that but my question is uh, did did you feel like there was rory lost the tournament or did you just feel like i mean Cam Smith, it just looked like there was just no stopping this guy. Yeah, there's no doubt that Cam Smith won this tournament. He went out and took it. Now, Rory, you know, he just couldn't get a putt to drop. And, you know, that happens sometimes. Uh, I don't subscribe to the theory that he choked at all. You you don't go out there and uh, hit 18 of 18 greens. I thought he executed the game plan that he had formulated going into that round, he just could not get a putt to drop, and that ended up costing him. Yep. Um, you know, he did. You know, the guy, the guy didn't shoot seventy four or seventy five to choke it right. away by any means. Right. Certainly, we agree with you on that. It's kind of how we opened the show, uh, discussing things, Thomas. Uh, as far as this is not really weekend handle related, but does anybody bet the home run derby? I'm, I'm kind of curious about that. It's not like we're going to talk about it much on the show today, but this is that dead, yeah. you know, three day period here in sports. Is there, is there been any handle or action on any of these guys, matchups or, or outrights in general? Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely take some action on it. I, I mean, with it being really the only thing going on, people want action no matter what it is. So we'll put it up. And with uh, Alonzo and Schwarber, the the one and two favorites there uh, for the tournament, you know, that's kind of right in our wheelhouse with uh, New York and Philadelphia. So I'd expect those two guys to uh, to take the most of the handle here um, coming into this evening. But uh uh, we'll see how it plays out. I know even uh, Pujols is uh, getting some early love here from the betters because uh, he's the longest shot on the board. Right. I think people are just taking some flyers on him. 
Thomas Gable, again, director of the race and sports. We've got the Borgata joining us. Follow their, their general sports. They're at uh, Borgata Sports. So we want to transition. Though Michael and I, we, we started off our NFC West conversation, went to the San Francisco 49ers the last segment. Want to get your thoughts here on the Arizona Cardinals, their outlook here uh, in 2022. So Cardinals right now, they come in as that third choice out of the NFC West right now, 3-1. to one. Uh, we'll, we'll show up all the odds here in a second, 14-1 to one to win the NFC Championship. I, I've noticed, too, from, uh, from some of the notes you passed on, not getting a ton of love, at least in some of these futures markets uh, on, on Arizona. And I would have to think a big part of that is the suspension, right, for wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. Do you, you feel like that's kind of been a correlation here with, with the betters not liking what they're seeing with this offseason with uh, the Kyler and DeAndre situation there in Arizona? I think that has a lot to do with it, Ben. Uh, certainly Hopkins missing six games is big. Uh, but I think it also has a lot to do with what we've seen from this team the last few years. Uh, and, um, you know, they lost five of their last six games last year. Then they lost Chandler Jones and Christian Kirk in the offseason. And they basically follow this familiar pattern where a team gets off to a good start and then struggles as the season goes on. And, you know, they started out 7-0 and last season. Kyler Murray was leading the league in passer rating. But then that ankle injury happened and made Murray miss some time. And even after he was back, he clearly wasn't the same player he was prior to the injury. And now I'm not sure Murray's injury was solely to blame. And, Mike, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. But you know, obviously they were also dealing with injuries on the offensive line. But it seems like this has happened before. Cliff Kingsbury's offense seems to get stale and predictable as the season grinds on. And when teams have weeks' worth of tapes to study, they struggle in the second half with, with offensive production. And then when you take away, on top of that, Murray's legs and his ability to get out of the pocket and make plays with his feet, where he also has been accurate, um, it just it seems to limit the entire offense. No doubt. And I think it, it shows up. You know, I mean, look, they threw for the last two games of the year, they throw for a buck 87 and 122. I mean, they can't throw it when they have to. And Hopkins not being there is a huge piece missing because even though Hopkins isn't a great explosive receiver, he's hard to, he catches everything that comes within his ra- radius. And so he's challenging. And I agree. But I think the other issue, too, that, that kind of gets caught underneath a little bit is their inability as they because they're so they're older on defense they they struggle defensively down the stretch I mean Seattle you know Russell cooked for 431 against them and then the Rams put 375 on them I mean you know when they lost four of the they lost five of the last six games I mean, they lose to the Rams, the Lions, the Colts, Seattle, and Los Angeles. I mean, and they weren't games that they really were. I mean, the Colt game, they had a chance to win. But, you know, the Colts were playing, uh, you know, they, they, they were not really. I mean, Wentz was kind of like trying to give them back the game, and they wouldn't take it. Yeah, it's um, the end of last season, I think, just left a, um, a bitter taste in, in better's mouth there and uh this year i think it's really leading to the the lack of uh action they're seeing in the futures market um their season win totals posted nine and a half uh it's basically been all uh, under money at, at this point that we've seen and you know for the super bowl at 30 to one only six teams here have fewer bets on them to win the super bowl wow. and to win the nfc as you said 14 to one they're tied with seattle and atlanta for the fewest wagers we've taken on any team to win the NFC. It's it's them, Seattle, and Atlanta. So uh, yeah. not not much respect at all from uh, what we're seeing in the betting market. 
And when you break them down, though, TG, I think it's you, you, you kind of peel back this, were they fortunate the first part of the season? I mean, they're 26th in the National Football League defensively in yards allowed rushing. That's not good, right? And they were 25th in touchdown passes allowed. So if a team can run the ball on you and they can throw the ball into the end zone on you, you know, and they finished 23rd in, 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 in percentage of, they finished 29th in percent of, of teams that, that turn the ball over offensively. So, you know, they've been able to skirt through it. I just think to me, this will all come. And if to me, if Kyler gets the big contract, I don't think that solves their problem. I think it makes it worse. Certainly could be the case. That certainly could be the case. I just, I, I have a hard time with uh, trusting Kingsbury through an entire season. I will, yeah, it's like what what makes us say that we we hesitate to hesitate trusting in uh, in Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, before it to go, Thomas, just looking as well. The yes no make the playoffs on the Cardinals looks like we're seeing the juice now shaded to the no minus one fifteen. Have people uh, has it been more people running to the window to bet under? You said it's been a stream of under money on the win total. Yeah. Uh, how about these yes no make the playoffs? Have you seen the same kind of action with that? Is there one one or the other that people are kind of gravitating towards with this Arizona team? I actually don't have that up here yet, uh, the, the yes nos to make the playoffs, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me that the no's getting hit at all from, from everything that we've seen, evidence so far in the futures and, and season wins. Uh, for books that have that prop up, that's uh, gotcha. yeah. not surprising. Would cer- yeah, it would certainly, would certainly correlate uh, on that. And Michael and I, we're going to talk more Arizona Cardinals, the rest of this NFC West division coming up. Thomas Gable, though, joins us each and every Monday morning here on the show, racing sportsbook director there at the Borgata. Uh, as you said, if people want action tonight, so I'll be curious to see, TG, where the, uh, where the action goes in the Home Run Derby. So enjoy that as much as you can, and I'm sure we'll be able to catch up with you soon here. NFL season, now what, 51 days, I believe, away from our opening, opening night kickoff. So we look forward to catching up with you soon. And as always, appreciate the time here on the Lombardi Line. Thanks, TG. All right, thanks, guys. Absolutely. Uh, more NFC West discussion still to come, Michael. Uh, that, that week one game, Arizona hosting Kansas City. That, when we get into our week one lines, my goodness, that's going to be, it's gonna be yeah. an interesting one. A doozy. Arizona's a good opening day team, too. Yeah. We've seen this in the past, and so has Kansas City. That, that's why it's kind of why fascinating. I know DeAndre Hopkins for that game. Though I remember last year, Arizona three, three, three and a half point dogs in Tennessee absolutely blew out the Titans on opening day. That was on the road last season. Speaking of the Titans, Will Hill, he's got a futures play on Tennessee. We'll talk about that with him next year on the Lombardi line. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, 
You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Attention, BetMGM customers have a friend who loves sports as much as you do. Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement at BetMGM and get a $50 bonus. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of Wager order to wager. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable site credit. Site credit expires in 30 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi and Nevada. As we welcome you back to the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. Always great to welcome our pal Will Hill onto the show. Point Spread Weekly contributor, host of the New York City cast. I see, Will, uh, we won it earlier with Michael. Would you have shaved the beard post-open championship? No. The answer is no. Playoff beard in full force there, uh, Will. And, and I, it appears as though you are actually betting this home run derby tonight. Uh, you, uh, you, you've always gotten me on, in the, on me in the past for not wanting is. to bet ridiculous things. And yeah, he's, he's wanting to do it. Of course. One of the more tedious events, himself. I would admit. I will not watch most of this, but I did think Julio Rodriguez, uh, who was 10 to 1, he's been bet down to 8 to 1. I wouldn't go any further than 8 to 1. Okay. Uh, the fastest swing in baseball, according to some of the stat cast metrics. So maybe you get a few uh, extra bites at the apple here. Again, this is more entertainment to me to sit here and watch these guys hit home run after home run for four straight hours. It, it's a tough watch. It's tedious. Unless you have like an iconic ballpark, whether, you know, Yankee stadium, the old Yankee stadium, Fenway park, um, you know, Wrigley field. It's hard to just sit there and watch this for four straight hours. It's a little repetitive, but I did. Uh, a little nibble on Julio Rodriguez. Okay. Not, nothing crazy. Okay. As Michael said, yes, not, not a shock at all. Uh, I mean, what are you go? What are you going to do with yourself for the next three days? There's nothing to bet on. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? All-star game tomorrow. Get ready for football. Plenty of prep in terms of college football, NFL. Look, it's uh, we're right around the corner. So I uh, got to get ready at some point. And I'm, I'm starting to get ready for some of these, you know, NFL season win totals, college football, football is close, Michael. I'm not sure if you, you were aware of that. We, no, I haven't paid attention. I'm sorry. I was just kind of <laughs> off in a distant blight. You know, I don't know about that. Comes up on you fast. Uh, here we are. Yeah, we said last segment, 51 days out till uh, opening night in the NFL. So how do you go, like your process one, I know you've got a few plays already to fire on here for some of these win totals. Uh, there's kind of that the two schools of thought. Some people, as soon as these are released, are looking to get down and try to get out ahead of the market. Others want to wait back, see how training camp plays out for some of these teams. What's, what's your general uh, approach here, how you've been looking to attack this overall strategy in your win total markets? I'm always looking. I'm always looking. Something catches my eye. I'll fire some of them. You know, it takes a little more research. You want to get updated on, you know, the roster, the draft, all that kind of things. Remember, the the there's so much that happens between free agency 
and you know the start of the season between you know March and now, especially if you're paying attention to the other sports, you know March Madness comes and goes. Start of the baseball season, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, you almost forget who changed teams, who's on what team. So I think it's important to have a little refresher of you know who's on what team and, and sort of go from there. Yeah, I, I think it's really the perfect time to do it. And I, I think what you got to do is try to really understand how teams prepare. I, I think we have seen because of the challenges that are facing with the coaches, the lack of really training camp, how teams don't really want to use their players and, you know, how Sean McVay was able to get his team ready without a lot of practice, really working on it. So I think you got to study last year's opening weekend, study last year's opening month of the season to kind of give you a point of reference to go back and see, okay, what teams really play well early. And we were talking, Will, Arizona was one of those teams, particularly against Tennessee in the opener. They came out like they did the year before and their execution was really, really good. Yeah, and that's been the MO with, with Kingsbury going back to college, which I think is a little bit unfair at times because some mm -hmm. of that is schedule based. But Arizona's been a team that you know has played really well early in the season. I think, like you mentioned, Murray gets hurt, he gets worn down. Boy, it, it's going to be. It would be hard for me to give that guy all that money. I know he's a good player, but that Ram game in the playoffs is just—it's tough for me to unsee that. That was so bad. That was just such a, a poor performance. That one would, would stick with me for a while if I'm Arizona. Yeah, and there's a report coming out, Jeff Darlington from, from ESPN, saying they expect an extension to get done for Kyler Murray before the start of training camp there. So a lot, a lot, a lot of money they're coming to Kyler. But that team we talked about that they beat last year, week one, Tennessee, who ended up rebounding, had a really nice season. That's a team, Will, that I know you're, you're looking to target there in the AFC South. Which direction are you going with on Tennessee here in 2022? I like under 90.5 wins. Now, look, I like Vrabel. I like the defense. I just think the schedule is very tough. They have nine road games, eight at home. Remember now, unbalanced schedule with 17 games. They have road games at Kansas City, at Buffalo. I know they played well against both those teams last year, but at Kansas City, at Buffalo, at Green Bay, they have to play Dallas. They play Cincy. They play all the AFC West teams. And to me, the concern here, the wide receiver room. There's just not a lot of experience. Burks, the kid they drafted, it's hurt. Uh, and to me, you take away um, – from Tannehill last year, Jones and Brown. Tannehill's a very pedestrian player. I think Henry has had a huge workload the last five years. And again, if you sort of you know start to take some of the weapons away from Tannehill, he's a very average player against a tough schedule. To me, getting to 10 is tough. I could see eight. I could see nine. Um, I, I think asking them to get to 10 is a lot with that schedule. And don't forget, Tannehill runs more than people think. And I think people make this mistake when you're looking at season win totals. You just assume perfect health for all these teams. What if Tannehill, you know, is running and gets hurt and misses three weeks or four weeks and you have Willis playing? How's that going to go? So to me, uh, Titans under nine and a half wins is a play. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the only thing he Vrabel's a little bit like. Mike Tomlin to me. I, I look at his team, although they are good defensively. I think when they have all their players defensively, they're good. But I do think, you know, with the situation, without A.J. Brown, without their outside receivers, this field is going to get condensed, and it's going to be hard for Henry to dominate, and it's going to be hard for them to really utilize their play action. I don't think Burks is going to be ready to be to play. I mean, Tennessee's a team I think we forget about. They've had some blown first-round picks. I mean, the one kid didn't even play for them. You know, and so there's a lot of pressure on Tannehill, and I think ultimately he needs a, a good supporting cast around him, and I'm not sure he has that offensively right now. Yeah, you see the Titans, too, second to betting favorite right now, just behind Indianapolis there in the AFC South. 
Under nine and a half. That is play number one from one Will Hill, who you follow on Twitter at not the Will Hill. How about the NFC North, a, a division that is really interesting just from, from top to bottom. I mean, you could, you could look at the Packers with some of their offseason transition, losing Devontae Adams and thinking, all right, is there a potential here for another team to step up? And then at the bottom, you've got rebuilding teams like Detroit and Chicago. Um, any, anybody's guess as to where those teams are going to go heading into 2022. I know you were pretty bullish, though, on, uh, on Minnesota. What's your reasoning there? It looks like you're going to back Kevin O'Connell. Uh, you're number one there in Minnesota. Yeah, I think Lombardi, you made you you know cite this quote a lot. Sometimes fear does the work of reason. Sometimes you just need a new voice. I think O'Connell taking over for Zimmer will be helpful. I think they'll be less predictable on offense. Uh, and I just think the schedule is pretty favorable for them. They have nine home games. Remember, the NFC has nine home games this year. The AFC has eight. So t- take that into account when you're making these bets. Seven road games, one neutral, because one of their road games is uh, in London against the Saints. It counts as a road game. So nine at home, seven on the road, one neutral. To me, the schedule is pretty doable. Two games against Goff. I always like to look at the opposing quarterbacks. Two games against Goff, two games against Fields. They get the AFC East, so you're seeing Tua. You know, you're seeing Zach Wilson. They get the NFC East, so you're seeing Daniel Jones. You're seeing Wentz. You know, you throw uh, throw Jalen Hurts into that mix. To me, the schedule's pretty doable. I think, you know, they obviously have the skill players. I think the offensive line is better. They're decent at tackle. They got a little bit of a pass rush. They certainly have some issues in terms of the secondary. They're a little old with Peterson and with Smith. But to me, you know, a, a little bit of a better offensive line, although the guards are questioned. Good pass rush, easy schedule, good skill players. I think this team gets the 10 wins. You know, I, I think you're right. There is sometimes the change helps, right? And I think with Ben Lieber's comments today about how, you know, we know that that Mike Zimmer wasn't a fan of Kirk Cousins. And I think you're going to see a different style of offense for Kirk Cousins. One that I think, you know, Kirk Cousins has some great numbers. I mean, he's been really good for them. It's just he hasn't played well under pressure situations when they need it. If Kevin's able to do that with them, I think they'll be better. And if they can stay healthy, particularly up front, I mean, they've got to get some pass rush. Daniel Hunter hasn't been healthy for two years. They've got to get something out of him. And then one more for you, Will. I know you're looking at the Bears as well in this division. Not a whole lot to, to get excited about on paper. Are you feeling like that's going to translate to a difficult season there in the Windy City? Boy, Ryan Pace, the former Bears GM, when you look at this roster, he basically took a blowtorch to this franchise. They are awful at the offensive line. They have no skill players. Their secondary is a mess. I don't know who even is going to play left tackle for them. Uh, unless Justin Fields is Patrick Mahomes 2.0, which I don't think he is, I don't see how this team gets the seven wins. To me, this is like a three or a four win team. They are just bereft of talent all across the board. Like I said, offensive line, secondary, skill players. Uh, I mean, I don't know. You tell me, Lombardi, what do you like about this team? What is there to like? This team is just completely uh, shot here in terms of talent. You know, and I and I think when you add the Eberflus factor into it, Eberflus yes. is not a scheme coach. Like he's not going to run different things. He's going to play cover three. He's going to play zone. He's going to rely on thirty-three turnovers, which is what he got last year from the Indianapolis Colts to win. I don't know if he can do that. Like, there's no help here. And then you're counting on is Justin Fields going to be good enough? I don't know. To answer your question, though, Will, on the O-line, my fellow Missouri Tiger, Larry Borum, uh, on, yes. only people who went to Mizzou even know who that is. He's, he's the projected opening day left tackle. Yikes. We'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. Bottom five O-line from last year. I don't blame you for taking it, taking it under there on the Bears at the six and a half. Will, always a pleasure to, kept up, to uh, catch up, sir. I'm sure you'll enjoy the home run derby there tonight. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. See you. Absolutely. We'll continue the NFC West discussion, Michael, on the other side. Our breakdown of the L.A. Rams, your division favorites coming off the Super Bowl championship. We'll get Michael's thoughts next. Hour number two rolls on here on the Lombardi Line. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.